Good morning. It's good to see you. Welcome. We were having the conversation. Justin's already did it and said Happy New Year. He's like, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? So we thought, like, this is the week, right? Like, we did it. So Happy New Year. September. Happy New Year. Was that Frosty the Snowman? Every time we get Happy New Year. Um, but welcome. We're glad that you are here. If this happens to be your first time, welcome to the Porch Community Church. Super glad that you are here. Or if you're watching us online, a very special welcome to you as well. We are in the new year, obviously, and we're starting the series, The Bible for a Reason, because there is absolutely no doubt that so many people have made a resolution to read their Bible more in 2022, right? Some people maybe have been like so bold as to be like, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. Now, it's already January 9th. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing on that, if that was like one of those, you know, resolutions that you made, because no guilt there. I think that's a great goal to set. I think that's something that should be before us. I think that should be true, whether it's January 1st or September 1st or whenever it is, that we're people who are like, I want to be in God's word more. I want to read the Bible more. I want to understand who God is more deeper. I don't want to be shallow. I don't want to be hollow. I don't want my faith to be kind of missing the mark. I want to know God more. There is a, a depth, a richness that his word brings to us that, that we is before us. It's always available to us. This is what the Bible is. It's always available to us. And yet, do we, do we take the, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, like, but do we use it? Do we, do we take it in? Do we, do we realize the, the power that it holds and the promise that it brings to us? The Bible. The Bible. So we very intentionally said, this is going to be the series we're doing at the beginning of the year. The Bible, but my goodness, where do you go from that? Like, what do you even, what do you do with this? And so this is going to be a, a very, like, not even 30,000 foot view, like 100,000 foot view of the Bible, just to get us thinking about it, but really the, the work, and I don't know if that's the right word, but sometimes it feels like it is, and that's just life, but the, us putting in the time, and us putting in the focus, and us putting in the intentionality, it's on us as individuals. Now, as the church, like, as even this local church, we want to equip you, you know, Ephesians 4 tells me that one of my roles as pastor is to equip you to do the work of the church, Right, to help build you up. And so, of course, we're going to do series and we're going to have community groups that are going to be talking about the Bible so that we can ask questions in smaller groups. Um, if you are talking about the Bible, if you are one of the over um, half a billion people who have the Bible app on your phone, that's uh, more than 500 million, in case you didn't know that, um, there is a really great plan. Uh, how to read the, what is it, Bible in one year reading plan. You can get that and start doing that now. If that's something, you're like, yes, I do want to read the Bible. I didn't even think about reading the Bible more until Shannon started talking about it this morning. I didn't even think that that should be something that would be a good goal for 2022 is I'm going to read the Bible more. You can get that. You have it on your phone most likely. And you can start doing it. You get in the notifications and all that. Now that shouldn't be the end all be all. But what a great reminder and way to put us into God's word. So, the Bible. Um, you start this series, where do we begin? And so I thought the best place for us to start was this, this question, which is, what is the Bible? What is it? I mean, now I know that for some people it's like, duh, but what is the Bible? Because if you ask people, they're going to tell you different things. You may have been at a point in your life, you may be there right now, where you're not certain of what the Bible really is. Is it 
a book? Is it a book with really good sayings in it and really good teaching in it? It's got wisdom in there. Are there things in there that are very practical? Um, who was responsible for putting it together? What is the Bible? What part does God, like, did, did God, like, type this out up in heaven and then send it down? Like, how does this happen? What is the Bible? And if you've never thought those things, well, you, you may have, but I'm, I'm certain, I know that there are people that you are rubbing elbows with, that you are in, like, around them all the time. And when, when anything comes up about faith, when anything comes up about Jesus, when anything comes about church, Christianity, it often comes back to, how do you know what's in the Bible? How do you know what it's, if it's real? How do you know if it's true? What is the Bible? Now, there's two ways I think you can really start to try to wrestle with this question. One is more of the human side. No less, I mean, God's still involved in it, but how he works through humans to make it happen. And then there's, of course, the God side. So I'm going to nerd out for just a few moments on the human side. And then we're going to really get into the most important part, which is the God side. And we're going to just, there's going to be a lot of scripture coming at you. So if you are a note taker, get ready here in just a minute. But so let's look at the human side just for a moment. Because when you think about what is the Bible in regard to how it came together, it is the historical side. It is the, the um, you know, like the, the practical aspect of what gets included in a Bible that gets printed. And who determines all that stuff. Well, it happened through councils. Um, it happened through a bunch of theologians and pastors and really, really, really smart people, people who studied scripture. And they got together and they determined, and we could go on and on about this, but I, I won't kill you with it. But they determined what was accurate and what was true and what was, uh, it wasn't contradictory. And they, they put these all together and they gave it a name. They called it a canon. And it's, I think we, I don't know if we talked about it before or not, or maybe it was in a podcast we did, but we talked about the term canon, it's a Hebrew Greek word, it's, it means the, a cane, and a cane was used as a measuring rod, right? So where we get our term canon for what we determine is accurate in scripture, it comes from this word cane, which means to measure, and that's just, it's a standard, it's a, this is the standard that shows us if it's above, if it's this standard, it's good. If it's below the standard, it's not. And so that's where they get the term. So think about it. In your Bible, there's 66 books, which we call books. They weren't necessarily originally books, and they didn't come with chapter numbers and verse numbers even. But there are 66 documents in your Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New Testament. And all of these are known together as the canon of Scripture. What is accurate? What is true? What is, what is deemed by many to be accurate and true? Now, before this book was bound or embossed with your initials on it, by the time of Jesus even... Um, there was already a very strong agreement, very strong agreement ab among the people that called themselves God's people. Okay, so this would have been the Jewish people. There was already a very strong agreement about what documents had been recorded up to that point that were recognized as canon, that were recognized as God's word. And it's the same writings that match the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles. So, I, yes, it's a, it's a human thing how we put it all together, but if that's not God, because I mean, we could play a telephone game right now and we're going to jack it up, right? 
Like, we can't even do that. But you're talking about thousands of years of people keeping a record and it remaining accurate over time? That's insane. Or is it God? So, so here we have this. When Jesus refers to, uh, you can look in, in the Gospels, and when he, he makes statements like, you have heard it said, or it is written. And he makes these comments. What he's doing is he is referring to these, the, what we call the Old Testament. They didn't call it that yet. He's referring to the scriptures that had already been agreed upon by many, many people well, that these are canon. These are accurate. These are true. They have stood the test of time. And we're going to talk in a minute about kind of what are some of the standards that are used um, to determine that, especially in regard to the New Testament. But so when we think, so the Old Testament in our Bibles is the same one that Jesus refers to. And we know this, and I don't have, I, I don't know where I messed up in my notes, but I, I thought I had a reference to it, and I can't even remember where now, but... In some place, <laughs> there you go, that's great, great preaching, Shannon. Um, God commanded, but he said he wanted his words to be preserved in the tabernacle. I, it's in Exodus. Um, and he said, I want you to record this. I want you to remember this. I want you to keep this because I want there to be a record of what I have done. Okay? So the accuracy of, of the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles today, so not only is there just a common agreement among People, and you even see Jesus agreeing with it. But in 1947, which is not that long ago, when you think about the Bible, when you think about the history of God in relationship with us, archaeologists found the Dead Sea Scrolls. 1947. Now, up to that point, any um, pieces of Scripture or things that were still, that remained, that we actually had, that were kept... Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls were now a thousand years younger than, than the um, earlier than what we had had previously. And the scrolls confirmed everything that we were already using for the Bible. Which again is miraculous. What is the Bible? It is this record of what God is doing. It is, he is maintaining it. He is keeping it. He's commanded us to keep it. And here we have it. A thousand years earlier now, we have this historic document, and it confirms 99.5% of what was already in the Old Testament. That 0.5% was spelling errors and sentence structure. It was the only difference. It's amazing. So who decided which books are included in the New Testament? Well, the Bible that we have today, it contains books that, much like in the Old Testament times, they were already being um, passed around and shared in the early church. Before it was ever called Bible, before it was ever called New Testament, these were works and writings that were being passed around that were being agreed upon that these are for the edification of the church. These are of God. Um, they copied these, they, they read them, they copied them, and they sent them on. And here are a couple of signs, and I don't have them up on the screen, so if you want to write this down, I encourage you to do it. But there were four different signs or identifiers of how do we know this book belongs in the New Testament? How do we know that this writing belongs in the New Testament? The first one was this. I think it's very, well, they're all important. But it had to be written by or very closely connected to an apostle. So 
If it was not connected to someone who was there on the scene or who was in a, you know, like the, that was always there, like the assistant to, you know how Timothy for a long time was like, he was Paul's right-hand man. Like their writings, if you had to be an apostle or very connected to one for it to be included in the New Testament. So that's, that's the first one. So then you couldn't have like a random, I mean, someone could have written something later on who was not an apostle, who was not a disciple, who was not closely connected and written something that was good and it could have been truthful and it could have been, uh, you know, no, nothing contradictory about it. But because they were not closely connected, like first generation, then they were like, that's fine and good, but we're not going to put it in the Bible. Okay. So it had to be connected to an apostle. The second thing is, is that it already, this is, this is amazing to me, but it already had to be in common usage. So it wasn't like they were out, you know, scavenging around for, let's find all the, the letters and the writings we can so we can make sure they get in the, in the, in the Bible that we're going to put together. No, these were already commonly being shared among people. There was already an agreement upon that. Sorry about that, Mike. I'm trying to fix it there. Um, So written by or connected to an apostle, already in common usage. Third, it needed to be theologically orthodox, meaning it couldn't contradict something else. It couldn't just, it could not. If there was someone said, hey, here is a a letter we got um, from from a a guy named Fred, and, and it and it looks like it's written and the words and everything, it looks very real, but it contradicts like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Fred's not going to be included in the canon. It's not theologically orthodox. It's not, it's contradictory, even though it might look good and all those things. So written by or closely connected apostle, already in common usage, theologically orthodox. And then fourth, it, it had to be discerned to have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which, wow, what a, what a challenge that would be to be the people that are going, is this inspired by the Holy Spirit? One of the ways that you know that is because the writings in and of themselves were, uh, were pointing people to, to God. They were pointing people to Jesus. They were pointing people to, to a life that was not focused on them. See, Paul wrote a lot of letters, and it's very likely that in one of his letters to Timothy, at the end there, you know, or on a side letter, it was also like a grocery list. Like, hey, next time you go through this town, pick these things up. Well, just because Paul wrote it to Timothy doesn't mean that gets put in the Bible because that wasn't necessarily Holy Spirit inspired. I mean, some of you are really good cooks. Maybe that's Holy Spirit inspired. But the grocery list is like, no, it's just day-to-day notes, right? Post-its. So it had to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, here is another mark of authenticity, which absolutely blows my mind. And I confess to the 930 uh, group that I did not, my mind had not clicked on this. Some of you are going to be like, wow, Shannon, uh, you should have known this. But for some reason, I just thought it was was more, what I'm about to tell you. I thought the time frame was more. But a mark of authenticity is that all the documents in the New Testament that you and I have in our New Testament, in the canon, were written, dated prior to A.D. 100, the year 100. They were all written before the year 100. I don't know why. I just thought some were written a little bit later. I don't know why. I just did. Now think about that for a minute because when we talk about dating and the time frame, right, zero is Jesus' birth, right? And we know he started his ministry when he was around 30, 
And that's really when the New Testament writings, you know. So think about it. From, from the year 30 to the year 100, 70 years. 70 years is when what you and I have, what's in our Bibles, considered canon, accurate, true, is when that was all put together. First-hand witnesses, that is first-generation people. Those are people that were there, that were present. And it's that reason that we'll never have any other books added to the Bible. We can trust the Bible. What is it? We can trust it because there is this enormous factual support for it. Historians concur. Archaeology continues to prove it to be true. It doesn't contradict it. The four gospel biographies are in agreement with one another. The preservation of the New Testament document, there's, there's like 5,000 different portions and pieces that have been uh, saved through time that have some form of the copies of the New Testament or the writings at the beginning. And, and they are superior in their accuracy. And all of this gives this solid foundation for believing that what we read today, what we have bound together is what was originally written, what was originally experienced in real life, in real places, by real people who knew Jesus and the New Testament and who had experienced God the Father, God the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. John sums up all this well in chapter 20, verses 30, 31. He says, this, I mean, think about this. Jesus performed many other signs. I don't think I have it on here. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So there were some things that happened that we don't know about that could have been in the canon, but it just, it wasn't recorded. But listen to verse 31 of John 20. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, it wasn't about let's, let's um, put the most accurate book together we can and we'll be number one. <laughs> no, this is about like, this is about relationship. This is about connecting with God. This is about knowing who he is. This is what the Bible is. And I, like I said, I, I kind of nerd out on that a little bit. It's very interesting to me. The part that God has humanity play in putting all of that together. But the other side of the question of what is the Bible is, what, what is what's God? What's the, the focus on the, on the overall, like, how, what is this? Because when you look from Genesis to Revelation, what we consider canon, there is that repeated theme throughout, the thread that runs through everything, everything. All the different genres, through all the different authors, all of them, there's this thread that runs through of God's message to us. Here's that reference I was looking at earlier. I didn't see it here. It's in Exodus chapter 17 where um, it's the first mention in scripture where God, it's after Israel has defeated the Amalekites in Exodus 17 verse 14. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Write this down. Remember this. I want you to have this. I want you to know this. And why would God do something like that? Well, I have, <laughs> because of our propensity, see if this ticks any of your boxes, we have a propensity to forget, 
We have um, a propensity to ignore. We can sometimes uh, question things. It's okay. But questioning without seeking answers is where we get into trouble, right? It's one thing to ask questions, but when we just ask questions, ask questions, come on. Are we really seeking answers? But we can do that. We, we, have, a, we have a tendency to want to rewrite history. We have this tendency to deny what really happened. I mean, do you think that if David could have, you know, do you think he wants some of the stuff recorded in Scripture that's there? No. And this, this propensity just to, to doubt overall. So God, what does he do? He commands Moses to make sure everything is remembered. I mean, so it's like we see it in Scripture. It's like, hey, write this stuff down. So you think about it. It wasn't until Exodus it happened. So a lot of the stuff we read in, the, in, in Genesis, in the early books of Exodus, they are remembered. They are written after the fact to remember them. So there's this, uh, this is a couple hundred years old. It's a catechism. It's a, it's a way of teaching the truths of who God is. Very old in the, of the Methodist church. And it says this about the Bible, and I love this. It says, the word of God as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments is called the Holy Bible. <laughs> so what is the Bible? It's, it's that. It is that revelation of divine truth and record of God's will from which we derive all correct knowledge of religious truth and duty. And I love this last sentence. It is the only sufficient rule of a Christian's faith and practice. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Bible is the only sufficient rule. There is no other book. There is no other form. There is no other person. There is nothing else that is going to tell you more accurately, more Full, I mean, there's nothing going to be missing than the Bible. And it's going to show you what your faith is, and then it's going to show you how to practice that faith. That is the Bible. No other document, no other book, no other set of rules. Nothing else is more sufficient. Second Timothy chapter 3, it's one of those well-known couple of verses about what God's Word does. It says this beginning in verse uh, yeah, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's not something we often like pursue, right? But what is the Bible? It is something that will help you know what is not true in your life. What is not adding up in your life? What is missing the mark in your life? It says it corrects us when we are wrong. <laughs> and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. I mean, think about it. The entire Bible was written by approximately, and this number varies, 35 to 40 people. I mean, and they had assistance and help and things like that, but it is attributed to 35 to 40 authors. The entire Bible, over a period of 1,500 years, and we've already established the fact that most of that has to be Old Testament because there's just a short little window there for the New Testament now. 35, 40 authors, 1,500 years, 
And over the course of that time, the same message, that thread is, is weaving through all of this. And it rings true through each and every one of those Holy Spirit-inspired writings. And it's simply that God is holy. He is holy. And, and we're not holy because of sin. Right? That's why the word of God corrects us and shows us what's wrong. We're not holy because of sin. But God has made salvation possible. There is, he has a Savior for us, Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, right? In spite of ourselves, he makes a way to bring us closer to him. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 12, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Right? This is not... The word of people, the word of people, this is the word of God because the word of people is, is a, it is giving you information, but the word of God is transformation. People, information, word of God, transformation. What is the Bible? It is, it is to transform your lives. Continuing in Hebrews 12, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires because that's where transformation happens, right? The Bible is alive. It is alive. It's alive. It it speaks exactly to us where we are in your soul, in your spirit, between joint, between marrow. That's down to the like cellular level, right? It's it's there. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16, it says, search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. That's God's word. See what he will do. Search it. Psalm 19, verse 7, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Listen, are you searching? You need need direction? Isaiah 34 tells us what we do. The Bible Any of us need to know what is, anyone need revival in their soul? Psalm 19 tells us God's word, the decrees of the Lord. Anyone need to be able to trust something because everything seems to be false and let us down and and mess us up and confuse us and you need something you can trust? God's word, Psalm 19 tells us. You need some wisdom to make decisions? Psalm 19 tells us there. What's the Bible? Here's some more I want for you to... to, um, Write these down and look up later, and I'll give you, I'm not even going to give you the total address, so you'll have to do a little digging in your Bible. Psalm 119 says this, that the Bible is a light to your path. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that the Bible is a voice to comfort you in your pain. Matthew 4 tells us that the Bible is spiritual food to nourish us when we're weak. We, we already looked at 2 Timothy 3. It tells us that the scriptures, it convicts us. It's truth and it's a power to correct us. Psalm 37, the Bible is that wisdom to direct us. Will the Bible end up being an out-of-date book? Will, like, will the publishers go, you know, we're not going to print that anymore. You know, we've decided that we found something better. No. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever because God has made it so. It stands forever. 
What is the Bible? It is God's communication to us that he is holy. It's his communication to us that by looking at the scriptures, you realize, my goodness, I, am, I fall short on my own. On my own doing and my best efforts, I am not, I'm not capable. I'm not able. And by the looks of things, no one else is either. And I've put my hope in a bunch of them, and they've let me down. And here I am, lost. God's word is this reminder that he is holy. We are not because of sin, but he has made salvation possible through a Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the Bible. And he used, he, he, he worked through humanity to make it something that you and I can touch and hold. But it is inspired by his Holy Spirit. It continually is proven over and over and over again. So I, as, as we kind of wrap up here and I can ask the band to come out, I, I want to give you something. I want to remind you, and, and I know it's a, a, a little action step, but if you're not doing a reading plan, get that on your Bible app. Start doing that Bible in one year. Reading plans, start doing that. Get the push notifications, get the reminders to start reading that. But don't let that be all. Like, get your Bible. Start studying that together. Listen, we are um, starting our community groups back up this week. It's in those community groups where we ask questions, where we say, What about this? Or what about that? Or, you know, I heard this, or I've got this, you know, I've got this relative, I've got this good friend, and they're telling me all the time that the Bible's just a made up something. What do I do with that information? How do I respond to that? In community group, we equip one another. So I totally encourage you to be a part of community as we go into this year. As we return, I want to do this. Um, at the end of the service, I did ask our community group leaders, um, some that are here, to, uh, to be up here at the front at the end of the service. And they'll have a little whiteboard that'll say like when they meet and who they are and stuff. And I would love for you to come and say hey to them. You're not committing your life. You're not signing up for the group by coming and saying hello to them. But if it's something you're even remotely interested in, I encourage you to come and say hey and just find out what they're, what they're doing when they're meeting. I think that's something that we all need is that accountability. We need other people on our journey of faith. Like if, we're, if you're sitting here this morning and you're a little bit inspired about being in God's word and reading it more and, and taking it in and understanding it, that this is something that you need to like, we need to kind of put our feet to the ground, right? We need, to, we need to put some practice into this. So let's pray. Let's worship God for who he is. Uh, let's respond to him. God, we, I, I, I pray this, Lord, about your word, um, that you would open our eyes to it. Um, thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for being gracious to us. But would you open our eyes as we turn to your word? God, I pray it is our longing that we know you. I pray it's our longing to understand you. God, I, I pray it is our longing to be changed by who you are. And we find this in your word. Lord, would you examine us by the light of your truth? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Savior. Thank you for the one who makes it possible. Thank you for the one that makes it even, it, it seems when we're honest with ourselves that there's absolutely no reason why we should be talking to you 
or why you would hear our prayers. We're so, man, we can mess it up. But thank you, you've given us Christ Jesus to atone for our sins, to give us life. And then we can live into that. And we thank you. Thank you for equipping us with your word. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.